He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question one <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you got to schedule this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. He, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Welcome to a Thursday Drive, WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad, where in a couple different regards, last night was not a good night for the Atlantic Coast Conference. If you were still holding out hope for Virginia Tech's tourney hopes, after they lost at home to Boston College last week. Boston College. Losing to Georgia Tech last night. That's a death nail. Then there's Virginia. The other Virginia school who, as the seventh ranked team in the country, beat Louisville. That's not much of a story. But it was only by three points. And the Cavaliers once again revealed some flaws that aren't exactly features you usually see on a title team. So even at the risk of upsetting my wife, a UVA grad, this is what I believe about the Virginia basketball team. This is where I believe they are. They should still be the favorites to win an ACC title, but they aren't a national championship contender, and here's why. First off, the free throw shooting. It's become a real concern. When I was sitting next to Sarah Bradford at the game in Winston-Salem that Virginia played, she was wanting to pull her hair out at how many free throws Virginia was missing. And I was thinking, I've watched Virginia all throughout the year. At no point did I really pick that out as a flaw for them. Maybe this is a one-off. But you know when you have a friend of yours that points out something about somebody, points out a blemish, points out a flaw in them, And then that's all you can see every time you see that person. Kind of like the Austin Powers mole situation. Mole, 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 mole. Ever since that day in Winston, all I could see is how bad Virginia's been at the line. And they should. It could have cost them their last two games. Last night, they missed seven of their 16 free throws against Louisville. They should have lost to Duke because of the free throw shooting. Only 9 of 22 from the line in that game? They missed 13 of their 22 free throws. Nationally speaking, they are 222nd in college basketball from the line at 70%. That's 14th in the ACC. That's the worst percentage for a Tony Bennett Virginia team in nine years. And really... This matters because of the math equation at Virginia. They run a slower pace. Slower pace equals fewer possessions. Fewer possessions equal fewer points. Fewer points equals smaller margins where teams are going to be closer to beating you in an added emphasis on hitting free throws, scoring at the free throw line. So that's one piece of it. The second thing is this. They are more three-point reliant than I've ever seen Virginia. They are averaging about 23-point attempts a game. That's the most under Tony Bennett. And the reason why is because they don't have a dominant big. As much as I'd love to see 
Jaden Gardner's from my hometown outside of Raleigh and went to East Carolina for a few years, be that guy. And he's a pretty good player. He's not a dominant interior force. He's too small for that. He's 6'6". He's 6'7". Virginia doesn't have that dominant interior force offensively, so they're having to shoot the ball. And they're only shooting it 37, maybe 38%. But the 20 attempts per game is the thing that you circle. The three teams that averaged at least 18 attempts at Virginia, 2011, 2018, and 2020. The 2011 team finished 17 and 16. The 2018 team lost to UMBC in the first round. The 2020 team, we never know. They didn't get a chance to compete because of COVID. So this team, they're in line to win the ACC. This is not a national title contender. They're like an old Big Ten team. More consistent throughout the year because they have more veteran guys. They run a system. They recruit to it. So winning regular season titles, Virginia does that a ton. But for every regular season title team, you have a team that underperforms in March because they have low ceilings, lower margins, smaller margins of winning games, and they become outmatched when March rolls around. So while Virginia still, they were my pick to win the ACC in the preseason, and I stand by that. I think they're going to. They're not the team I would tab as the team with the best shot to win a national title in the ACC. I'd say that's Miami. I'd probably take Duke over Virginia just because of the up, upside. I think those teams have better national title hopes while Virginia right now is ranked in the top 10 and is still probably going to win the ACC. That was my takeaway again from watching Virginia win in such tight margins when they probably should have won by a whole lot more. On Twitter at WSJS Radio, that's where you can chime in on the show. You can watch us on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. BDOT's going to be in here later this hour. He's the sixth man of Carolina basketball. WD, I watched Star Wars The Last Jedi last night. I think I understand why it's so controversial among you nerds, but I don't really know. I'm not completely sure. Well, we'll be finding out next hour if you really know why. At the movies, we'll do that. Around 4.30, WD has acquired a couple cauliflower chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. If you don't know, Greensboro, Charleston, South Carolina, and Denver are the three test markets in America. Chick-fil-A is unrolling this week, the cauliflower chicken sandwiches. So WD is going to try it. I don't know if BDOT's going to. He's already said on social media that he's not going to eat that. So we will see. When the Carolina Hurricanes host the Montreal Canadiens tonight. When the Canes host the Canadiens tonight, they're going to retire Cam Ward's number 30 and send it up to the rafters. Former Consmite Trophy winner, MVP of the 2006 Stanley Cup run, career wins leader for the Canes in net, his induction into the Hurricanes Hall of Fame, it's just another reminder of how good we have it here in the state of North Carolina. There are the life reasons why North Carolina is so great. Tell your friends that North Carolina is terrible so they don't move here. <laughs> we got two great cities. We've got mountains. We've got beaches. But from a sports perspective, we have these great college teams that we follow. And professionally speaking, we've got it pretty good too. And Cam Ward being inducted is just a reminder that even though 
pro sports here in the state of North Carolina is essentially just 30 years old. Think of all the great things that we've seen over the last three decades. The Canes, they've been the NHL's best expansion success story of the last 25 years. The Canes came into existence in 1997. There have been, I think, six other expansion teams after the Canes came into existence in 97. Even though I know the Canes aren't an expansion team, I'm talking about they moved from Hartford to North Carolina. So we are kind of counting that. Same goes for Atlanta, who then turned into Winnipeg and other teams that have moved around too. You get the idea of what I'm talking about. Behind Cam Ward, they won a Stanley Cup in 2006. There are 11 franchises still in the National Hockey League that can't say that. Canada has not, all the teams in Canada combined, have not won a Stanley Cup since 93, 30 years ago. So the Canes winning a cup and going to another Stanley Cup and right now having the second best record in the NHL and set to host the outdoor game in a couple of days, it's pretty good to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan right now. And we've had legitimate legends for this organization, including Cam, Rod Brindamore, Glenn Wesley, Ron, uh, Ron Francis. They're all all-time great players. And I feel similar about the Canes that I do the Carolina Panthers. Hear people complain about, oh, the Panthers have been a 500 franchise. It's a 500 sport. The, Can the Panthers came into the league at the same time as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Name the Jacksonville Jaguar who's been an NFL MVP candidate. The Panthers had Cam Newton. Name the Jacksonville Jaguar that won Defensive Player of the Year. The Panthers are going to get another Hall of Famer in Julius Peppers inducted next year. Name the skill position player who was among the best and might be a Hall of Famer in Jacksonville. I'll wait. The Panthers had Steve Smith. Had tremendous, I mean, Luke Keekley. Just think about what they've had over the last 25 years, and you've had two Super Bowl appearances. The Cleveland Browns would like one of those. They've been around a lot longer than Carolina and has never experienced that. So sometimes you got to count your lucky stars and look at some of the great things that we already have rather than looking at the things that you don't. But bringing it back to Cam, he's always, Cam Ward that is, he's always going to have personal significance for me. In November of 2005, I grew up outside of Raleigh, small town of Youngsville near the city of Wake Forest, and a childhood friend of mine named Logan Bennett offered me tickets to a Canes-Maple Leafs game. It was right after the lockout. I'd never been to a hockey game before. I was 13, 12 or 13 years old, and the Canes got a win that night. And they started their backup goalie that night. They won that game. I was hooked immediately on the sport. I wanted to get autographs after the game. So I wait out in the cold with my friend Logan. And we're waiting to get some ticket uh, autographs. And I remember he was telling me, Josh, you're going to want the autograph of the starting goalie. You don't want the autograph of the backup goalie. I know he won tonight, but you're going to want the starting goalie's autograph. No, no, no. I wanted the autograph of the goalie that won that night. And it was 21-year-old goaltender Cam Ward, who was a backup to Martin Gerber. And at the end of that season, Gerber leaves after falling behind two games to nothing in a series against Montreal. And the Canes play in Montreal tonight. And Cam Ward then won four consecutive games. And then he went on the run. And he's from just outside of Edmonton. And at 22 years old, they faced the Oilers in the Stanley Cup. And Cam Ward was magnificent. They won that series. 
and I was hooked on hockey. One of the two teams that I fell in love with, the Hurricanes and uh, the Baltimore Orioles, and Cam Ward is a big part of the reason why that is. Had a chance to meet him and associate with him a handful of times since then. An all-time great guy, a great ambassador for the Carolina Hurricanes. So having him in the building tonight, right before the outdoor game on Saturday, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. Do you think Tuesday night was a fluke? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like everything happened for a reason. Um, and, you know, that needs to happen for us to you know, get to where we're going to. How is Caleb Love? B-Dot's in with us. And to be clear, that was after the Clemson game and before Miami. Mm. So Clearly. I think I agree with Caleb that the Wake Forest game was not a fluke. We'll talk more about the Tar Heels in about 10, 15 minutes or oh, so. Joy. But I do need your assessment on my use of fluke. Flawless. That was my first time hearing it. That was flawless. Like, that's how you use it. See, he didn't even second guess it. That's how it has to be used to be effective, where they're not thinking you're doing a bit or something like that. You're just having conversation. You know what I mean? And that's how Caleb took it. Like, it was just like, yeah, like, nah, we needed that to happen. It wasn't fluke. You know what I mean? Great we, job, Josh Graham. We've got another incentive for people to participate in grammar school today. Are you bribing again this week? If oh. somebody is wanting to help me out, oh Yellow Card is celebrating 20 years of their hit Ocean Avenue with May Day Parade, Story of the Year. Oh, I like Story of the Year. And this wildlife, they're all going to be in Charlotte on July 18th. We got two pairs that we're giving away, one to whoever is willing to help. You don't have to actually give me good advice, but if you do, that's a that's a plus. Wait, you don't even have to get the point? They just have to call and just say anything? That's how desperate he is. Oh, my gosh. The desperate. You reek of desperation. 336-777-1600. <laughs> I'm probably going to need help. If you want the yellow card tickets, that's the way that you earn them in this segment it's that we call grammar school. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. And just when you think it can't get any worse, Josh is going to attempt to learn B Dot's vernacular. I'm going to put one in the air. It's time for B Dot's Grammar School. Nobody better than B Dot. Pre game, during game, post game. Brought to you by Heritage Hardwood Floors. When it comes to flooring, they have no ceiling. Listen, I was there. Okay? Yes, at Winston-Salem State University. And what did I see? That beautiful floor. I stood on it, Josh Graham. It is gorgeous in person, too. I'm scrolling through my... Look at this, Josh Graham. Let me see a picture. Oh, boy! Look at that floor. Look at those dance moves. Is that Zay? Who is that? That's that's just the students. They go crazy on it. Look at that floor. Yeah, it looks nice. It's amazing. Heritage Hardwood Floors. Thanks for singing that. My voice is low. Heritage Hardwood Floors. Mm, got bars. Yeah. Thank you, man. Heritage Hardwood Floors for sponsoring grammar school. You already know homes, businesses, churches, gyms, just like Winston-Salem State University. Jesse and Catherine at Heritage Hardwood Floors can get you straight. And their tagline says it all. It says, when it comes to flooring, they have no ceiling. Yeah, I can hear it now that you've 
got a bit of a hoarse voice. Is it because of Monday? It's because of there work. wasn't a lot of cheering to do on Monday. No, it's just been nonstop work. And the fact that it wasn't a lot to cheer about made me have to do more work during those timeouts to try oh. to get the crowd engaged. So, yeah. I got a caucastic question for you. Let's do it. This is a review question. Ooh. The Hurricanes, they're putting into, they're inducting a player into the Hall of Fame tonight. They've got an outdoor game in a couple days. Name a Carolina Hurricane. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. God. It's a review question. <laughs> <laughs> name a hockey player not named Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> um, Patrick Waugh. There you go. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Let's go. Outstanding. Thank you very much. Okay. I used to play with him on a video game, I think. But nevertheless. On to the main event. All right. Here's your word that you have to use in regular conversation during an interview. It was a hit at your wedding. Mm Mm-hmm. Ten toes down. Ten toes down. So... Ten toes down means you're, like, locked in, right? Like you standing on that. Either you standing on that, you can use it as an I'm standing on that. I'm ten toes down. I'm solid. I'm solid. Or somebody has been with you. This person has been with you. WD's been ten toes down with you for years now. So a performance can be ten toes down. No, a performance would not be ten toes down. Somebody can be ten toes down because of a great performance. Correct. You were solid tonight. Like you was, you was locking you ten toes down, ain't it? Like Jordan Miller was ten toes down on Monday for Miami. I don't know why you keep wanting to use like Miami. That's just the first one that came that would, to that mind. would not that would not that would not go well. So if I'm at NC State Carolina on Sunday and Baby T goes off and I'm like Baby T, you were ten toes down. That's a good example no. of me. Caleb Love goes off. You know what I mean? Yeah, either way. Yeah, that but no, you wouldn't you wouldn't use it like that. You wouldn't say, Oh, baby T, you went ten toes down. Like you would say, if baby T had like ten assists, right? And they were to his big, and you say, Yo, he held you down tonight. Like he was every time you gave him the ball, he dropped a bucket. Like he was ten toes down. He was solid tonight. Okay, I like that. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. That's what's solid. Like when Armando gets a double double, like you like, oh yo, like, yo, yeah, yeah, like that. You was getting all the every time um, Caleb was feeding you, you was just going crazy. You was just Caleb was your man tonight. He was ten toes down tonight. Yeah, that's my bro. You know we, we solid. We gonna stay down. That's, that's my bro. I got it. ten toes down. What's the? Uh, I'm gonna try and work that in the hockey locker room. Yeah. On Saturday. Yeah. That's what you gotta do. Cross sports with it, Joshua yeah. Graham. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of um. <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for for mm. hockey? Mm. It's uh. Caucastic. Very caucastic. So, anyway, what's the first word? When y'all told me that we was eating cauliflower chicken grease sandwiches today from Chick-fil-A, I put some letters up. And I'm going to ask you what those letters are, Joshua oh, Graham. no. The letters were Y-G-M-A-T-W-F-U. One of those words. I can't say. There's no chance that there's last two. <laughs> the, 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 one of those words you oh, cannot I know say one. on air. I know this one. One of those words you cannot say on air. I know this one. Believe it or not. 
You got me all the way bleeped up. You damn right you did. <laughs> you damn right you did. I was hoping you would get that one. You damn right I, you did. I've seen that one enough. <laughs> you yeah. damn right you did. If you think I'm eating a cauliflower chicken grease sandwich. Know, you got me all the way. <laughs> all the way. Uh, all right, the what's way. Next? That's like with mustard, ketchup, chili, <laughs> slaw, onions, all the way. After. <laughs> what does it mean if the block is hot? The block is hot. Oh, the block is hot? Yeah. 336-777-1600. Why did you sit up in your chair, go to the microphone like you knew it, like you were smiling? He's like, oh, the block is hot? And you definitely had no clue. You guys like yellow card? (laughs) I do wonder if it's a Venn diagram. One side is people that know the answers to these questions. Other side... Fans of the band Yellow Card, what the how how wide is the middle of that Venn diagram? Seven seven seven, one six hundred. You have no idea who Yellow Card is, I bet. I have no clue. That could have been. Can you play the- like one piece of Yellow Card to give B dot a taste, maybe? Possibly. There's a place off Ocean that Venn diagram circle is real small. <laughs> the block is hot. <laughs> that was a that was Josh saying help, <laughs> help, help. <laughs> I have an idea of what I think it is. Do you? I do, but I want to go to the phones. Who do we got? Keenan and Winston. Keenan, you're going to yellow card. <laughs> Keenan, help Whether me. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, what is block? What does it mean to be uh, the block is hot? Hold the yellow card. I don't need that. <laughs> but my boys in in a in an earlier life used to say if the boys were around, right? If I roll up and they were out, they would let me know prior that the block is hot. Meaning cops are around. Oh, yeah. I like Easy. that. Thanks, Keenan. That makes a lot of sense. The block's hot. There's cops around. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's absolutely correct. Thanks, Keenan. Lil Wayne has a song, too, called The Block Is Hot. I didn't know that. I yeah, love yeah. Lil Wayne. Yeah, that was in the 90s, though, when he was with the Hot Boys. The Block Is Hot. The Block Is Hot. <laughs> I don't know a lot of the Ooh. Hot Boy stuff, as really? I think we've uh, established. What's the last one? Cuffing season. Yeah. <laughs> it's already passed, right? What's cuffing season? Oh, it's like, especially when it's cold, you're wanting to get together with, if you're single, you want to find your lady. That's right. Lock it down. When? What are the months of cuffing season? I'd imagine it's like no earlier than October and no later than probably March. This guy's learning some stuff. Give him the bells. Woo! Give him double bells, extra points, because he knew exactly when cuffing season was. Cuffing season starts in October, and it ends actually yesterday, February. Oh. That's when love is up now. Now it's time to start getting to the spring. Now we're about to be cutting up. It's time to be outside. Hot boy, hot girl summer. Right. Yeah, no shirt summer. That's how we rolling. Good job, Josh Graham. Four and O oh today. I'm going to give you an extra bonus point with the bonus one you got. I like that. Yeah, you did good. That's been Grammar School. Introducing the world's greatest entertainer, the hardest working man in show business. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of the show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham.
It stinks. Tell you that right now. It smells really good in here. I don't know what no, you're talking about. No, it does about. not. WD no, it does not. Don't has grabbed now. a couple cauliflower chicken sandwiches. For those who don't know, there are three markets in America that Chick-fil-A is debuting, essentially test-trialing, a cauliflower chicken sandwich in. Right. Charleston, South Carolina, Denver, Colorado, Greensboro. Somebody said it's in Winston, too, but I don't know. Whatever. WD grabbed a couple of cauliflower chicken sandwiches. Right. And BDOT has one in front of them here. You can watch our stream on YouTube, on Twitch, on Twitter if you want to see this. What's happening? WD and BDOT are about to dive in, but real quick, Wait, how are we feeling about it? I'm a little upset. Where are the sauces? <laughs> For what? a sandwich? And it's got the stupid pickle. I always get mine without pickle. I don't like the way the pickle I eat the pickle melt. separate. I do eat the pickle separate, but they're always so warm and warped. I don't really like that. I need some Chick-fil-A sauce. Are there any sauce? There are no sauces? We have no sauces? What is this? Well, see, I thought about getting Chick-fil-A sauce, but I'm like, well, we need to taste the sandwich. That's right. We can't distract from the flavor. Well, see, that's what I'm upset about. Like, I don't like the way it tries to resemble a freaking chicken sandwich. Like, I don't like that. I don't like the way it tries to be deceptive to your palate and to your brain. That's the point, though. No, no, no. Don't try to trick yourself. (laughs) Eat the damn food that it is. This is nothing but cauliflower. See, that's why I don't like they do the little wings, the little bar- the little yeah. buffalo wings, but it's really just buffalo sauce on cauliflower or something like that. No, don't try to trick yourself. To be clear, don't try to before trick you yourself. take a bite, your mind hasn't already this. been made up, right? Look at this, yes. You're going to go into this with an open mind and open heart. What is my open mind and my open heart? <laughs> Are you asking me am I going to have an open palate? Like, am I going to go in here expecting to taste something good? Am I sh- should I be expecting to taste a no. chicken sandwich? No expectations expe- at all. It could be good. Are you open to the possibility that that first bite's going to be pretty good? I am open to the possibility that this first bite could be good. However, it's not chicken, but they drop right. it in the chicken grease. Exactly. That's it's, so stupid. It's cauliflower yeah. disguised as yeah. chicken. I don't like the disguise. See, I don't like the deception. At first, I thought it was going to be the chicken with cauliflower. Oh. But no. I, I knew not. what was up. You knew it was a fried just, cauliflower sandwich. Okay. Right. All right. On the count of three, get your first big bite in here. It has to be a big bite? That doesn't have to be a big bite, but just right. take a bite. All right, thanks. Three, two, one. Mm-mm. 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 Oh, you didn't even swallow it yet. I'm not going to swallow it. <laughs> I'm not going to Come on, it. swallow it. Josh, please don't make me swallow it, man. Pause. It's that bad. It's, it's like, it's like, beat, it's, just, it's a, um, what is it? Uh, um, what's some joints they have at the, at the Chinese place? The egg roll. It's egg roll. That's, That's like. a good analogy. I, I like that. Like. You don't like egg rolls? It's like an egg roll sandwich. It's like a fried egg roll sandwich. That actually sounds pretty good. Personally. He picked not, it up. He might take another bite. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to push through. It's like... WD, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think, WD? I got my second bite in right now. Your second bite? Mm-hmm. Nah. I think he likes it. Does. I thought I would. I like cauliflower. I like I like chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. Well, no, I can't do it. Right. <laughs> um, nah, I can't do it. See, man, like... It, I do... I, the egg roll, like I... That's exactly what it is. It's like an egg roll like with a chicken sandwich. a fried egg roll in a Chick-fil-A sandwich bun. It's so misleading. It's so misleading, and it's so not right. Like, And then to cook it in the chicken grease. This is important, though. See, 
we are all fans of Chick-fil-A around here. Love them. Yep. We love Chick-fil-A. But they ain't got to do this. Well. They ain't got to do this. This, this is, is about, like, I'm about businesses taking swings, though. You remember when ESPN, a year before the iPhone came out, did ESPN the phone? And we were thinking, oh, this might actually be a good idea. And then the iPhone made it a $5 million investment that essentially went up in air. I like businesses that take swings. So this might not work. This is valuable information. This is valuable data to the folks at Chick-fil-A who need to know whether or not this is a good idea or not. You don't look so betrayed. I am betrayed, man, because they try to deceive you, man. It looked just like a chicken sandwich, man. And this is the equivalent of like going to the strip club. What? And you're in the strip club and you see that girl like she's gorgeous. And you know she go to college. And she got a banging body, and, and you just talking to her. She got great personality. But, you just tell her, you be like, baby girl, listen, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. That's what I'm telling Chick-fil-A. You don't have to do this. You're already successful. You don't have to take your clothes off and show cauliflower. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You already established. We already accepted the fact that you won't even open up on Sundays. Like, we let that ride. You ain't got to do this. Chick-fil-A, you ain't got to do this. Strip clubs open on Sundays? Yeah. Okay, just mm-hmm. checking. WD, you know? how are you with the sandwich right His now? His is gone. Is WD it? is licking not- his fingertips. No. Did he just bite your finger? Oh, it still got some. I was like, Jesus. How no. how do you assess it, WD? The egg. So I think it tastes like an egg roll and a chicken sandwich, like combined in one. See? Not a chicken sandwich. Don't you throw chicken on there. Nothing about that tastes like chicken except for the grease. That's that, it. Fair. See? It ain't nothing about that chicken. And it didn't even have a chicken consistency. As soon as you bit into it, it fell apart in your mouth like a damn egg roll would. Kind of got chicken consistency. It's Maybe not on the outside. Half, yes, the, the bread or the, the, the fried grease around it, that part. I kind of like it. There you have it. Don't That's do been it. a review of the cauliflower chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. You ain't got to do this, Chick-fil-A. We've got a couple more pairs of tickets to go see Yellow Card. In July, if you want to go see them in Charlotte, the next time you hear this sound is your cue to call in and win. There's a place off Ocean Avenue where I used to sit and talk with you. I think you might actually recognize the song if you heard the chorus. If I could find you now, this lasts forever. That's when I recognize (laughs) Something like that. Nope. A lot of music variety on the show today. Yeah. Master P. Uh, Make him say. Uh, that wasn't uh. Yeah, I know. Uh, so <laughs> the next time. Somebody Google that. Make him say. Uh, that's that fire. That's I know stuff. all the words to that. That's great stuff. So I have a Star Wars review that we'll do in a few minutes. Yep. While we got you, the last thing while we have you here. B-Dot's the sixth man of Carolina basketball. Six, 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 six. You had a story with a Tar Heel legend. Couple of run-ins with a Tar Heel legend the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about that? He might have to um, not come to any more games because ever since I've seen him at these games, we've been losing. And I don't like that. But at the Wake Forest game, I sat in the bleachers, uh, in the bleachers, in the stands, right behind Coach Larry Brown. And we were just chopping it up, having a good time. I was fussing about why we weren't playing more of our bench, and he was agreeing with me. It was just fun conversation. So at the game Monday, I'm on the court, and I have to make a hit up in the stands. 
And as I'm running up in the stands, you know, people are shouting, B-Dot, B-Dot. So I'm looking around. I'm trying to greet everybody that calls, whatever. And then there's one voice that keeps calling me from behind, B-Dot. And I turn around, and it's freaking Coach Larry Brown sitting in the stands. And he's calling me. So I walk over to Coach Larry Brown. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? He's like, man, I had to come see you in person. Um, they said you do a great job. I'm really enjoying myself. So I said, that's awesome. I said, are you getting loud over here? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I asked the people around him. I said, is he getting loud over here? And they said, yeah, he's doing that. I was like, all right, man, because I don't care nothing about them Hall of Fames or none of that. You got to be loud when you come in here, buddy. And then we just laughed about it, and that was it. Did he call you B-Dot? He did. And he called it right. Like, he didn't say B-Dat. Oh, He said okay. B-Dot. Yeah. I was ex- I was fully expecting him to do the B-Dat. Yeah, nah. Those are the people that read my name and see, like, my social media, and then they see me with the hat on at the game. And it's, hey, B-Dat. Were you happy to see Coach K back at Cameron? Gosh, man. If there's anything that I wanted more (laughs) was for Duke to lose with K sitting right there again, man. Oh, him and his wife. Oh, man. At least three people came out to me at Cameron uh, that night and were like, we better not lose uh, this game. We listen, better not lose this game. Listen to and it me. got tight late. It did, boy. And I'm talking about I got excited about it. I got robbed too. But nevertheless, no, I did see Coach Craig. And big and I ain't gonna front. I did I got to host an event at the Emily K Center. How'd that go? It went very, very well. Did you get man. a chance to run into K? No, 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 he wasn't there. But um the staff there was super dope. What they're doing for the um uh the community in Durham, especially for the people of color in Durham. Big shout to Coach Kane and the Emily K Center, his wife center over there, man. Like I, I do give props to that. It was really a good and they got some nice, nice stuff going on over there. If you're in that Durham area, um, I you know, Tar Heel fan or not, if you have kids that, you know, looking for college and things of that nature. You should check out the Emily K. Center. Anything you want to promote? I know you got a lot going on this month. Just I didn't know maybe you didn't either, man. We're doing very well. I didn't know maybe you didn't either is um, in 14 pilot schools in Forsyth County and Guilford County this year where they're actually introducing the content to um, the curriculum um, in the schools for Black History Month. And it's just history facts that I didn't know, and I just share them and under the idea of I didn't know and maybe you didn't either. So. I'm mean, really enjoying that, and by next year, I hope we can get that joint all across the country. That's a really neat thing that you do, and thanks, brother. Not a surprise. You you turn things that are little, just ideas, and make them bigger things, and make them meaningful too. So yeah, something you, I always have admired uh, admired about you. Appreciate you being in here. I'm that probably gonna BS. probably gonna cut that in half. Yeah, and uh, see if Sarah Bradford likes it because oh, I know she's really into cauliflower. Yeah, so. Sorry. The fact you only took one bite out of it, yeah. sorry. No, it was for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. That's so me. we're going to make the most. We're going to make the most out of it. So. He warned us. I did. He warned us. I told you. With them letters. I told you with the letters. <laughs> Got me all the way. Uh-huh. Lettuce, mayonnaise, mustard, chili, ketchup, bacon, all the way. Because I was wrong about my Super Bowl pick, I had to watch a Star Wars movie of WD's choosing. And he told me there's a controversial Star Wars movie amongst the nerds. It's called The Last Jedi. It's one of the newer Star Wars movies. So I watched that movie last night, WD. I watched that movie. And Dot, I got to go review that. So I'll let you go, brother. Oh, I'm about to be in the car listening. All right. I'll give you my review of Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> the nerds. At the movies next. Go on the drive with Josh WSJS.
If the Philadelphia Eagles won last week, we'd be reviewing Hoosiers, which WD hasn't seen. But because the Chiefs won instead, I lost a bet, and the bet was that I would have to watch a movie of WD's choosing. We all knew it would be Star Wars related. He didn't want to choose one that I had already seen, and I watched all three of the old trilogy movies. I watched the three in the 2000s as well. Seen a couple of the new, newer ones. Rogue One, I forget the first one, what it was called that J.J. Abrams did. The Force Awakens. Seen that. So WD told me there's this controversial one that's divided the fan base, divided the nerds of Star Wars fans, called The Last Jedi. Have you seen that? I said no. Well, that's your movie. So now we're just turning the segment on its head where I'm the one that's telling you about the movie that I had to watch and WD's asking me about it at the movies. Unless you're talking about freaking Oscar-nominated Golden Globe Award-winning movies. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Star Wars movies are not at all Josh's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine! But that's about to change because I'm absolutely sick of it. This is At The Movies with Josh Graham. <laughs> Seamless editing. Oh, yeah. All right. At The Movies. WD, take it away. Yeah, so this is the most controversial Star Wars movie. Really? So this is the one right after The Force Awakens that you have seen, so I was kind of worried you hadn't seen that one. So I'm, I'm glad that was the case. So, what did you like the most about this movie? I'll be honest, WD, I was expecting not to like this movie at all because I am not a Star Wars nerd. I am not somebody that generally watches a lot of these, I want to say comic book movies, but that's not what this is. Really, it's just these massive franchises that they continue to just mass produce movies for. But... What I liked about it is, it was a movie that had something to say. It was about letting go of the past, which Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker both said at one point. It's what the movie was about. And I think that was a message from the director, Ryan Johnson, to Star Wars fans themselves. And I didn't expect the movie to have something to say because of Ryan Johnson, who also is the same guy who directed the last Knives Out movie that... I didn't really like too much because I didn't think it had much to say and it was unimaginative. But this movie, it was a message to Star Wars fans. It felt like, like, hey, we're not just going to sing Star Wars karaoke here. I'm not just going to hit the same beats that we do in every one of these movies. I'm going to do something different. And you know what? I'm going to off Luke Skywalker. Oh, I'm going to... I think enough years have passed that I can spoil the movie yeah, at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take some shots at Han Solo. Going to do that in this movie. I'm gonna have a black lead actor i'm gonna have a woman who's a lead in this movie we're gonna think star wars a little bit different than normal and i'm gonna tell a story about letting go of the past and kind of embracing the future that's what i felt this movie was about and i respect it it's something i like i didn't expect to think much while watching this movie what well what did you think was the contra like in your own opinion? Like, what did you find? Like, okay, I bet you I they didn't like what happened with Luke Skywalker. That bingo. There, 
They didn't like that Luke Skywalker died that way. They didn't like that Luke Skywalker was kind of an old curmudgeon. Grumpy old man. I, that was my sense. And like, why do we have these leading people that we don't really know much about? I bet you that's things that they don't like. But well, I feel that actually was the point of the movie. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that a lot of people didn't like about the fact that Luke Skywalker was portrayed that way is because Luke in the originals was always very heroic and very, like, never give up. I mean, even Mark Hamill said in some interviews, like, during the movies, like, he doesn't, Luke doesn't give up. And it was very, like, the Jedi need to end. And so that was probably the number one thing that yeah. split the fan base. Do something different. So. That's it. Let go of the past. That seemed to be the message of the movie. Also, I would personally say the best thing about this movie, cinematography in this, fantastic. I could care less about cinematography. Wow. You want things to go <laughs> over people's ha- heads? <laughs> oh, yeah, I really like the costume design and the cinematography. You want to get really into the movie stuff that makes people make their eyes glaze over. What did you not like about this movie? I mean, I could do obvious things like it was 15, 20 minutes too long. I could do... You know, the fact that Darth Vader isn't in this movie, it's like... Well, he's dead. Like a Harry Potter movie without... I know, but figure it out. That's what I'm saying. It's it's a made-up made world. Figure it out. Like, figure out a way to get Vader in there. It's like watching a Harry Potter movie without Voldemort. Well, Voldemort's dead. Well, guess what? We're going to make a movie that's a prequel that has Voldemort in it. That's what we're going to do. Anyway, uh, the thing that I probably didn't like the most is... There was very little to do for a lot of great actors in this movie. So, like, the pink-haired commander, Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. Like, not a lot for that character, and Laura Dern's an amazing actress. Uh, I think about Benicio Del Toro, who's this um, uh, code breaker. Not, not a lot for Benicio, who is one of my favorite actors, too. And then an actor, I didn't. I was surprised to see him in this movie, who is from one of my favorite rom-coms ever. About time. Uh, what's his name? I think it's Dame Gleason, maybe? Something like that. Dante Gleason? Dame Gleason? He's the redhead ginger. Or he was General Hux. That's who he was. Oh, I was yeah. surprised to see him in here, and I could have used more of him getting some character development. Not a lot for that. And you would expect there'd be more character development for a movie that's two and a half hours long. But alas, not so much. What was the best quote? There's only one option here. More! More! (laughs) It's become a meme. It's become like a gif that people use all the time. More! I want every gun we have to fire on that man. More! (laughs) Yeah, that's the best quote. Yeah. Okay. Rotten Tomato score. Now, this is audience. Yeah, so I bet you it's a little bit mixed, so I'll go 67. 42. That didn't surprise me that much. Yeah. So that's been At the Movies with me, JG. So much fun. Star Wars and such. I don't dislike Star Wars movies. I don't dislike the series. Like I said, I've watched all of them, but not. I don't like them enough to rewatch them. I've maybe rewatched Harry Potter a few times. I've never rewatched any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Haven't done that. Like those movies. Yeah. Sir, Sir Bradford, a big Harry Potter fan, right? That's why I rewatched the Harry Potter oh, okay. movies <laughs> during COVID. We we did it across an entire week. We rewatched 
all those Harry Potter movies. So. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. I want to start our next conversation with a couple of staples from the city of Atlanta. Or from the state of Georgia, probably the better way to say it. Because I've got here a gift for Wes Durham, who you know from Cartersville, Georgia. He's the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. You know his work with the ACC. You know Wes. BDOT was in here last hour. I'm glad I can see you now on our stream on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter because Dot, last hour, right, had he, he tried the test trial, if you will. Chick-fil-A in Greensboro, in Denver, Colorado, and Charleston, South Carolina, is trying out a cauliflower chicken sandwich. Dot wasn't the biggest fan of it, so he, he saved you half the sandwich, Wes. No, thanks. Pass. Uh, Thanks, Dot. Appreciate you. Yeah, it's just a gift. I told B Dot that. I, I, you know what? I the selfie with you and B Dot and my son last Saturday was far more appetizing than the cauliflower Chick Fil A chicken sandwich. Is that what that is? That, that is they're marketing in this. Okay, great. They're just trying it out to see if it's successful yeah. or not. I, I thought the selfie with you and Will and B Dot was far better. How cool was that for Will to be back in that building oh, in that context? Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's the uh, it's funny the alignment of the uh, of the solar system a little bit. Um, you know, I, I joked with him last week before he we went to the game. I said, "Don't take your Dion Thompson jersey to Chapel Hill this weekend." And he goes, "Oh, that's right. I had a Dion Thompson jersey when I was a kid." Yeah, you did. Your grandfather bought it for you at Chapel Hill Sportswear. Um, so it was because he grew up. Uh, he always used to joke with my dad, Josh. Georgia Tech was his favorite team, and Carolina was second, right? That's the way it was. And then uh, I think I've told you the story of the Red Sox and Yankees with Will and my dad, right? Yeah. My dad grew up a Yankees fan. Will was a Red Sox guy because for a, a brief moment, he wanted to play baseball, and he met Jason Veritek at a winter camp at Georgia Tech. And next thing you know, he loved the Red Sox. And so for his 10th birthday, my parents took Will to Fenway Park to see the Red Sox and the Yankees play. And David Ortiz at that time was his favorite player. And he hit a home run over the green monster. And Will was sitting on top of the green monster and the ball landed 10 feet to his left. <laughs> and the Red Sox won on the Ortiz Homer. And my dad was like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, so man. anyway, uh, it was cool to answer your question. Last Saturday was fun for him. Uh, my daughter was also there, uh, with my mom. And Will's girlfriend was there. So it worked out. It was really, really cool and fun for him. And a lot of people were very nice to him, which I'm grateful for. And my mother loved it. And really, that's what mattered at the end of the day. On the road, did your dad and Roy Williams ever watch Yankee games on the road together? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I know, because I think when my dad became a Yankees fan because that was the game you got when you grew up in Albemarle and Mount Holly and Memphis. And for Roy, right. kind of similarly, he loved yeah. Mickey Mantle growing up. Well, and yeah. So all those things kind of, you know, brought my dad to the Yankees. And um, I don't know. He he was a casual baseball fan by the time I realized baseball. And I would say that his influence to me made me a casual baseball fan. I'm not a diehard anybody fan. I mean, I like the Red Sox. 
because I got to know Veritek and Garcia Parra and Jay Payton and Darren Bragg and some of those guys when I was at Georgia Tech. So that made a big difference. They had already graduated and gotten away from campus, but they came back enough that I got to know them. And so one thing led to another, but Matt uh, Wieters too, just going to throw in great Georgia Tech players. Matt Wieters was one, no question. Uh, Derek Dietrich, terrific player, played with the Marlins for years. There, there've been a bunch of them, man. Teixeira, who, uh, who actually was better friends with my wife than he probably was me because he used to hang out with the golf team and Vicky worked in golf. So one thing led to another there, but you know, like to share as a guy who I talk to a lot now, um, you know, now that he's retired and decided he doesn't want to play TV, but yeah, it's, it's a unique relationship, but um, my dad loved the Yankees and went to Yankee stadium and they flashed his name up on the scoreboard and old Yankee stadium, not the one I did the pinstripe bowl from. And, he got to meet Yogi Berra that day, which was unbelievable for him. And it was kind of cool in life when I could get him to be a kid and, you know, still have the starry eyes, you know, of a, of a kid who grew up in Albemarle, the son of textile workers. West Durham is with us here. And I think you're with me on this. We might've talked about it, that people might be losing a lot of how great this season has been by getting caught up with officiating and getting caught up with a lot of other stuff. But when you look at the standings, you've got really a great three-team race at the top to try and win the league. I don't know who's going to win with a couple of weeks left to go, especially if Virginia continues to miss free throws the way that they have at the end of ball games. But then I got this stat from Brian Ives, or as Seth Greenberg calls him, Sir Brian Ives, um, about... Greensboro in the ACC tournament next month, it looks like given where Clemson's at right now, it's likely that they're going to get the double by when you look at the schedule and how it shakes out, which means in all likelihood, the likely scenario is Duke, NC State, Wake, and North Carolina will all play on Wednesday of the tournament in different slots, not against each other, And Brian Ives messaged me that the last time that they played on the same day and did not face was 04. That's correct. Jarrett Jack Jack hit a foul line jump shot to send Carolina home. Georgia Tech played Duke in the semifinals and lost. And the game is remembered for Ishmael Muhammad's flagrant on Daniel Ewan. That's incredible. And it's only happened. I'm here. I'm here the rest of the half hour, by the way. Eight. It's only happened eight, eight other times, times before that. Yeah. So yeah. it's how much do you think the folks in Greensboro are rooting for that? Well, sure. I mean, look, it's always better when the big four succeeds, right? I mean, it's always better when the four North Carolina schools, when the tournament's in Charlotte, the tournament's in Greensboro, the tournament could be in North Wilkesboro or Pofftown for any I mean, it doesn't matter. If the tournament is in the state of North Carolina, if the four North Carolina schools advance through, it's always better. It's better from a locale situation. Just as I would tell you, we went to we went to Maryland in 2005, and Maryland lost in like the second game of the whole damn deal. And I was like, "What are we doing now?" Well, Virginia got beat, I think, the second day, and we ended up with a championship game of Duke and Georgia Tech in a three-quarter full Verizon Center, which is now called Capital One, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Um, I look. I just think the tournament's going to be really good. I. I said on an earlier show today, Josh, I think the tournament's going to be legit Wednesday. I think it's going to be really good Wednesday because you have the four teams that you're talking about playing three of the four teams. Obviously, nine will not have to play on Tuesday. But the three winners from Tuesday 
Look, nobody – you saw what Georgia Tech did to Virginia Tech last night. Can you night. rule out any of those four teams from winning the conference tournament, any of the teams in the state? I can't if any of them get hot. No, absolutely not. No, because they all have, for whatever perceived flaws they have, the four in the state of North Carolina all have repairable flaws. Okay? I mean, Carolina can share the ball and shoot it better and take better shots and get it to Armando Baycott with regularity. Uh, NC State clearly can do it because Jack Clark, I was impressed with Jack Clark Tuesday night. That's a big deal that people weren't talking about. You want to talk about handshakes and all that? Jack Clark being back and looking good. That's a big variable for a big game Sunday. I think Duke is playing its best basketball as the season evolves and good for John Shire and those guys. And Wake Forest, yeah, I mean, Wake Forest is – they're going to have to have somebody other than Tyree Appleby go get it for four days to win the tournament. Is there a guy in the ACC, he's open, the shot's going up, that you have more confidence the shot's going down when he attempts it than Damari Monsanto? Than Damari Monsanto. Because <laughs> that's the smoothest Is stroke, man. Is it a man. two or a three? A three. It's a three. Oh, it's a three? Yeah. Okay, because he can't going hit twos. Yeah, he can't he shoot twos. He can't. He can't. His it's percentage amazing. of twos is brutal. It's amazing. I have no um, idea how that works, but it's amazing. that that's. I case. need to talk to Barry Jacobs maybe next week when I'm at Duke to see if I can get the invert on all that figured out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's here's kind of what I'd like to do. I'd like to take Monsanto, but I would also put Baby T in there too. Oh, yeah. I yeah. want on Smith. Look, the other night when he took the the heave-ho at the midcourt line at the end of the Syracuse game, in my head was like, this might be close. And sure enough, it hit the front rim, I think. But, yeah. um, no, Monsanto's uh, – but see, that he's he's the modern – and you won't know this name, and I'm saying this for a demographic that's riding around in their car that might be a little older. He's the modern-day Brian Maggot. Huh. I thought you were going to say Vinny Johnson. No. Benny Johnson played in the league and at Baylor. <laughs> Benny Johnson didn't play in the ACC. Oh, Josh. okay, okay. I thought we're just talking style of play. Do you know who Brian Maggot is? No. Okay, M A G I D. Brian Maggot played two years at Maryland for lefty and then transferred to GW. I think Brian Maggot, when he came out on the floor at Cole Fieldhouse, um, they started chanting his name when he broke the tunnel, and then he goes on the road to Duke. And the Duke students, now this is back before we had the line monitors and all the other riffraff stuff. The Duke students would throw dollar bills out on the floor and he would stand on the dollar bill and knock the shot down and pick up the bill and put it in his pocket. I love it. That's great. This is long before the 80s. This is a 70s. And look, and he's, cult, he's a cult hero, okay? He's a cult hero of the ACC. There have been a lot of them. Chubby Wells is one of them. Played at Clemson. Chubby was a cult hero. Brian Maggot's a cult hero. You get these old guys on the show, a little older than me, they'll tell you about the cult heroes of the ACC that existed. Jeff Crompton, the late Jeff Crompton at Carolina, was a cult hero. NC State had some, too. Uh, Bucky Waters was a cult hero at both NC State and Duke. And I was joking with with Bucky that uh, I don't know if there's room for two former Duke coaches in the house at the same time at the same game. I bet that was a cool scene for you to see Coach K come back. I know there was a lot of, you know. I have a better seat, though. Come on. We I don't know. I think I think that's the perfect seat for him because it's 25. Getaway chair. It's a getaway, getaway chair, chair, but also yeah. he doesn't – He want, it's the farthest away seat you can be courtside yeah. from the Duke bench. Yeah. 
That's a good point. That's him. He wanted right. to sit Hold the farthest away he possibly could yeah. so that nobody can write the hovering story. Yeah, that's well done by you. Nice. That was well my done. thought being good there. Call. Uh, All right. On the way out, it's been a brutal 2023 from a broadcasting perspective. We lost Tim mm. McCarver today. Lost yep. Billy Packer last month. Uh, yep. Jeff Charles, an ECU legend, even though it was really neat last night seeing how they honored Jeff and how they won that game against West Miller's group with Roy in the building at Minji's Coliseum. Yeah. Um, how, how has it hit you the last oh, month? Oh, it's just brutal. Um, Billy, unfortunately, I think had been in declining health since the summer. Um, but you never, you know, you never want to script the end. No. Um, you know, Tim McCarver, I, I, I don't know the circumstances there other than he was terrific on the air. Um, somebody ran the uh, clip today where Rivera pitched to uh, Gonzalez in the World Series, and he's talking about Rivera throws the cutter down and in to left-handed hitters, so be careful of, you know, looping balls into the outfield on a drawn-in infield. I mean, what great call that is. I mean, just great foresight. Perfect. Um, yeah, really good. And then Jeff is special to me for a lot of reasons, as you know. Um, Jeff was one of those guys who I sent out countless tapes as a senior in college at Elon. Uh, Jeff had just left Virginia Tech to go to ECU to become the voice of the Pirates. And he was kind enough to listen to my tape and give me a lot of feedback and give me a lot of constructive criticism that really helped me, I think, kind of turn a corner. And he was one of those guys that you know, at the end of the day, I was, I was grateful because July 4th, 1988, he called and told me Radford was looking to hire a basketball announcer and a full-time position. If I don't connect with Jeff, Tra it, talked to, it, it taught me the value of networking um, and how valuable networking can be in our industry in particular. And so he, uh, he told me Radford was looking to hire a basketball announcer, told me who to contact. I did. Um, one thing led to another, and that was my first job. So essentially, he helped me start my career by helping me with that job coming open. And, you know, I didn't get to visit with him nearly enough. Um, ECU and my path at Georgia Tech or with the ACC Network, my first year doing television, I was asked to do an ECU game in Greenville at Menji's, and he and I were able to have lunch that day wow. and spend some time together. And we took a picture that night that I posted last Friday night when we got the word and, you know, he and Debbie were just terrific people. When he came to NSMA, when he won North Carolina or I'd seen him at the North Carolina sports hall of fame or whatever the case he, may I be. I remember when he won that, he shared the news with me and he was so yeah. excited to meet Bob Costas. Cause it was when Costas was going in and yeah, he had never Salisbury, been. It, right. was, it was in yeah. Salisbury. It was super cool. Yeah. And it's Jeff's just, he's that special guy. And he, he made our business a better place. And he also is one of those guys who was a better person than he was a broadcaster. And he was a hell of a broadcaster. And I think it hit a lot of us because those of us that grew up in the ACC, East Carolina weaves through the ACC. So you know how good he is. Um, he also know, could I'll... beat all of us up in a fight. So, like, I oh, I mean, the, yeah. you're just not ready for that type of news. Like, well, the guy yeah, seemed like it's... a superhero. He, he, yeah, could in... he told me he could bench press 300 pounds a couple months ago. He was 70. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, terrific guy, just a, you know, a, a giant in our business for not just his skill, which was immense, but also his personality and his warmth of the human being. And it also shows us that how fragile this whole deal is. And it's a reminder of how fragile this whole deal is. So, um, you know, we're praying for Debbie and for Britt, their son and their friends. And 
all the ECU people. I mean, I've got countless people from down that way. You would be one included. Patrick Johnson, you know, reached out to me. Um, he held it together last night, calling the game and Mike Schwartz afterwards. If you haven't seen the video, um, hmm. after they came from behind, he dedicated the entire thing to Jeff and yeah, yeah, they held it together. Well, him and Patrick Keenis yeah. called the game last night. Oh, that's awesome. So good for them. Yeah. And David Horn worked with my dad, who's now been a fixture in Greenville and Henry Hinton is a fixture who worked with my dad for a couple of years. So there are a lot of ties in that area, but it's, it's a hard deal. It's a real hard deal. Wes, sure. thanks for doing this and for sharing okay, Josh, your stories. You bet. I hope to see hey, you. By the way, who you calling yeah, this weekend? I'm uh, I'm at Virginia tech on Saturday Ooh. and uh, looking forward to it. By the way, there'll be a couple of things that uh, I know your national sports media.org. Marcus Ginyard's doing an event next Wednesday over in high point. If people want to get information on that national sports media.org. Uh, and then I'm coming to the triad the Monday after the NCAA tournament selection to do an event for nationalsportsmedia.org. So you can go to the de the details on that too. That's fantastic. And uh, this summer, obviously, it's not too early to try and get tickets for the event. Absolutely, Lee Corso. Lee Corso is going in this year, in addition to a lot of other greats. And I look yep. for it's my favorite weekend of the year to be broadcasting from. So I get to talk yep. to West Durham in person. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's not it's, the, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see it's you. Pictures. It's the pictures. All right, tell Sarah Bradford hello. Oh, Be well. Tell uh tell the cat. What's the cat's name? Clifford. 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 Yeah, Clifford the Clifford's red cat. Tell him I said hello. He's orange, but you're close, Josh. Orange. Well done.